Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 32, Worried About Nothing. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. podcast a while back but uh my wife jessica said you and randy really should tell your stories and i know randy had his story uh, of the ministry connection to god and the work at 2820 we had that on not too long ago and and that was a great story but as i as i thought back um over my life i didn't know what kind of story i had one way or the other and um i um i wasn't real clear which direction I wanted to go in my life and uh, or on the podcast as it is. Um, but recently I had the opportunity to kind of tell a piece of my story and realize that just like everybody else, um, I have a faith story too. So today I'll be sharing my faith story and um, um, I'm blessed to be here with my newly retired friend who is an old friend. <laughs> Randy still is going to kind of walk us through this, but... Um, Hopefully this is a blessing to you all as as we as as I share kind of a piece of my life. And not to get too sentimental here, but I've known Doug um we're in fact before this taping started this <laughs> podcast I was trying to calculate I like how I you called it a taping too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, <laughs> that shows, that's He's trying age. to he's trying to qualify the age here. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but we were trying to figure out I've known I've known uh I've known uh Doug since uh we moved to Dothan um, to work at a church there where he and his sister Elise and mom and dad attended in South Alabama um, when I think Doug was in middle elementary uh, school. And, um, and I, I, in fact, one of my first memories of, of being there in South Alabama with the church in the, and we have never been away from home, brought out either one very far, was the, was when he and his his family invited us into their house for a meal, and we hung out with them. And so I've known him since he was just a kid, and so I'm so thankful that God has brought us back together, um, brought us back together here, when we got to serve together at this church together. Um, proud of him, um, and just blessed to to have known Doug all these years and seen how much he's grown spiritually over all these years too, as well. But for those who are listening. Um, I mean, you may know Doug, the minister here, if, if you're listening and you're from uh, the church here at Mayfair, but um, but you may not know Doug from his growing up years, and so I thought it would be good, like we do with everybody else, to go back a little bit. Uh, well, 
I can't even say this, a lot, a long, a lot of <laughs> years back. And uh, talk about your growing up years, Doug, about where you were from, your family, the schools you attended, et cetera, that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, um, it, it is, uh, it's interesting to be the one on this side because um, I start thinking about all different, all different aspects. So I'll try to focus a little bit. Um, I grew up, I was born, raised in Dothan, Alabama. I was raised by a uh, machinist, which nowadays that's almost obsolete, even though they make almost everything that you touch. Um, but so my dad was an educator and a teacher. Um, and my mom was an educator as well. She helped start the Christian school at Westgate yeah. in Dothan, Alabama, which Randy was. Were you were you a part of starting that as well? No, it was already there. In fact, our kids... When we moved there, oh, that's where they went to school. Okay. For, for the, so my for mom the was one of the people on the maiden voyage of that. She Did helped start it. Did not know that. And she's 70 years old, and she's still working there. They can't make her quit. <laughs> and Dad can't make her quit. He's tried. Uh, but all that to say, uh, so I was raised uh, in Dothan, Alabama. Um, I, I grew up with a sister. Uh, Randy mentioned that, Elise. I'll mention her later on as well as, as part of my story. But... Um, Elise was older, but she was not a very good older sister. And this is why, not because she wasn't a good person, because she's a great person if you know her, but she wasn't a good older sister because she plowed no ground for the younger brother. <laughs> she was very bad at doing anything that wasn't good. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> she was just so good and she never got in trouble and she never did anything wrong. And so um, then along comes you. Yeah, then, then, <laughs> then I come and I need to plow some ground, and I and I did. I plowed a little mm. ground, uh, just clearing the way for nobody that was behind me. But uh, so I experienced a lot of the first with my parents. Um, sh she would just, you know, if my parents said something, she would do it. But uh, we uh, we went to uh, in the beginning. I went to uh, in kindergarten. I went to a private school. Um, all the way through second grade, and then I went to a public school. And that was a transition for me um, at the time because you're kind of, uh, you go from the sheltered world to this unsheltered world, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of reality to, to public school that I did not. Um, and so my first year, my personality type, if you've been around me, is one that I don't usually get uncomfortable. I don't. I don't meet strangers. If you've met my son, you've kind of met me at some point. He, mm. he, except he's even better than I was about talking to adults and kids. He can talk to anybody, um, and also he needs nobody. But um, all that to say, I, I went to the, the that elementary school, and then then I um, and it was called uh, Wilson Street, and then I went to uh, Carver Middle which was, uh, at that time, a lower-income area. Um, yeah. I didn't know. I, I knew a lot of my friends were African-American. I knew that the way everything shaped up, um, that's where we went to school. So that was a unique, and uh, it was actually a really good growth experience probably for me mm -hmm. that I didn't realize at the time. Um, and... Uh, Throughout, and Randy knows this, but throughout my attending schools, I played all kind of sports, and um, 
I wasn't wasn't very good at school, but I was good at sports. So you could hand me a ball or stick, and that was something I got and figured out. But um, handing me a book, I, it was a lot, little more work for me. Um, so uh, all throughout school, I drew interest of 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 people that that like sports because I was a, a big kid that was fast and. Um, so in, um, in ninth grade, there was a man that came up to me and I know the private schools. I know some people have Madison Academy ties. So, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I I didn't go to Madison Academy or a Christian (laughs) school. It was a private school. Um, but, um, I know Madison Academy always says we don't recruit people. Well, I didn't get recruited either for my, uh, athletic skills, but a man did come up to me in eighth grade, who was a friend of mine that I played on a championship soccer team. He was my coach on the championship soccer team I played on. And I played with his son on the all-star baseball team in eighth grade that went to the um, one – we were one game away, and you may re- even remember this, Randy. I don't know if you do or don't. We were one game away from going to the Little League World Series representing Alabama oh, wow. in eighth grade. Um, but all that to say – he came up to me and said, hey, Doug, you should try out for the scholarship for Houston Academy. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I know I can't afford to go to Houston Academy. Um, mm. You know, I, I can afford to go to schools like Carver uh, Middle that is a public school. Mm. And uh, sure enough, I, I went to, uh, I got a scholarship to go there, full ride. So that basically meant everything, including my books, were paid for. Um, were, your, were your parents okay with all this? Were they a part of that decision? Uh, sure, they were. Yeah, I, I think um, <clears throat> I think that um, they encouraged it because they knew the people. Yeah. You know, like I said, I'd played sports with these people, and they knew the quality of the people that were asking me. Um, it would. It was actually Judge Stinsland. He was well known in the town at the John, time. John's. Yeah, yeah, John Stinsland, um, and now his son John John is now a judge in the town. So it's kind of funny, but, and I went to school with John, John, but all that to say, it wasn't, I, I didn't get recruited. I got what's called a leadership scholarship. Um, and we just happened to win the state championship baseball the next year in, in baseball, which was a lot of fun, but all that to say, I went to Houston Academy, um, from there. And then, uh, obviously when I went off to college, uh, I, w- I wind up going to Lipscomb. Well, I take it back. I-, I went and I was going to play baseball at Wallace Community College. There was a time, see, Randy didn't mention this. He left us and, and moved off to n- North Alabama. You always have to bring that up. Yeah, because I was mad. I was. It was my. It was going to be my senior year, and and Randy and Rhonda left us. So I still try to give him a hard time about that. But, um, um. I had interest in going into ministry primarily because of you and introducing us to ministry and, and in my youth ministry years, I loved the church there. And, um, but, but my dad worked at Wallace, so I got to go there for free. The baseball team was reaching out to me about playing baseball with them. And so I think I went and played, I, I went out maybe a week with the baseball team and, um, if I remember correctly, that's about the time between the transition, another transition 
we, we had another youth minister kind of come in, but he didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, Doug, we don't have anybody. Can you kind of fill in? And I thought, well, this is cool. So I kind of did a little internship for the church there. Awesome. And so I went to Wallace Community College for one year. And then after that one year, uh, got pretty much all my basics out of the way and then uh, took off to Lipscomb. So I uh, finished up the Lipscomb with a Bible degree after four years. Uh, and then, you know, in there, there's a lot of story, but uh wound up getting my master's degree in marriage and family therapy and uh, eventually, you know, got my license and all that. So I may have given more no, um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, or not enough. I don't even know. Well, I, I, you might say something about your, uh, you, I mean, you've got a, y'all have a close family. I mean, as far as you know, the, your grandparents and that sort of thing, I, can you speak a little bit about that? Because I, I think that's an important part of your story because, I, yeah. I mean, your your mom and dad kept both your grandmothers in their house for some period of time, yeah. I think. But talk about family and how that impacted you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that is an important part of my family story that I didn't even think about when when we're processing through this. But, you know, every pretty much every Saturday I was at my grandparents' house. I had uh, I had all four of my grandparents. That was a really rare thing. Still is yeah. in these days. You know, yeah. my kids don't even have all four of their grandparents. Jessica's dad has passed away. So, um but my kids, uh, or I, was raised in a house that every, pretty much every Saturday we would go down to one set of grandparents. A lot of time during fishing season we'd go down and fish at one set of grandparents. We'd clean fish and eat fish, and then we'd go to the other set of grandparents in the afternoon and hang out, and, um, and they owned a furniture store, so we'd kind of nap in the furniture store and then go to supper with them. Hmm. Um, so, And they all were very faithful uh, people. I had one grandfather that... Um, believed in Jesus, uh, but uh, didn't go to church. Um, uh, all that to say, um, th- they were a vital part. Th- there was there was rarely a time that I didn't go hunting, that I didn't call them and tell them what I saw. Mm-hmm. There was rarely a time that something else, you know, sports-related happened in my life that they wouldn't be there. Um, now, they couldn't be at all my games, but they came down a lot and were very engaged and that was a huge part. And over time, uh, you're right. My parents, um, wound up keeping my mom's mom until she died one week from 97. And my dad's mom, when she passed away, uh, one month from 97. So, uh, that our family was, was close and, um, we kind of, they were a huge part of, of my development. I even remember <laughs> uh, Brett Harrison, who who is in yeah. town, uh, will be in town oh, wow. on Friday. Yeah, I actually come to my house. A friend of mine, um, we really should get him on the podcast when he's here. <laughs> true. Yeah. True, true. Um, but um, he, uh, a good friend of mine, some Friday night, strangely enough, we would go down to my, my dad's parents' house when when I could drive 16, 17 years old and we'd hang out with older people and play cards and <laughs> go fishing the next day. And that was such a cool thing for us, which is weird to think because you process through. Like who's going to their grandparents on a Friday night as a 16 and 17 year old? Seriously. Yeah. I am <laughs> because because they've got cool things like that. So yeah. um all that to say, I they 
all all four of my grandparents uh, were very impactful in, in my growing up years yeah. and development. What about so? Talk something about your involvement in like how did faith in church was faith in church an important part of your growing up years? I I mean I know for a fact your mom and dad were would, would, was you know they were taking you to church when you were in diapers I'm sure, mm-hmm. but did. How did that impact you personally? Did God, and also, did you see God playing a, a, a role in your life early on? And how? Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And, may, and I, I've, I've also been asked about influences in your life that, that that influenced your faith development. That's a oh yeah a large question here to, to unpack. Come back to that one because I may forget okay. it. Okay. But, okay. Um, so you're right. Um, I, I was one of those kids that the doors were open. We were there. And we usually open the doors, and we usually close them. Um, and and that's that's both figurative and literal. I think mm-hmm. there were times that my dad legitimately was the one who was supposed to lock the doors. Uh, my dad was a greeter in church, and um, as mentioned before, you know my mom uh, worked in the child development center, like an MCDC here. Um, or, uh, but they, she worked there and every Sunday, um, we were at church. Now it wasn't a question of if, um, or even when it was just like we were there and it's what we did. Yeah. I, I didn't know a difference. And that was Sunday morning and Sunday night, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I was just like everybody else that grew up during that time. Now this time's a whole different thing, right? We still had children's church and that was where you went in and you watched the puppets, but that was for young kids. The rest of the time you sat there and you got your ear thumped if you were noisy or, um, (laughs) I I don't, I don't even remember, you know, I brought all kinds of things, snacks and all kinds of things for my kids. So just, they keep their face holes shut, but they, um, I don't remember that. I just remember my dad being like, "Boy, I'll wear you out if you, you know." <laughs> and there were a few times. There were a few times uh, uh, I got some. I got some spankings uh, uh, because of church, but not because of church, but because of what happened during church. Um, but all that to say, um, my uh, my mother's uh, mom and dad. Um, they both were very faithful. My granddad was an elder in that church, mm-hmm. um, and you know they. It strangely enough, that was very influential in my life too. We would go down to that little church and laugh every time they'd sing. There's purr in the blood. <laughs> purr. What is purr? <laughs> but they'd sing it, and uh, my granddaddy used to say, you know, I um, I sing by letter, and everybody look at him like what. Yeah, I just open up and I let her fly. <laughs> so, um, we uh, church was a, a vital part of my life. You know, we grew up going to Camp Wiregrass. My kids are now going back to Camp Wiregrass, and they they love it. Um, it was a very I, I did not uh, realize growing up how conservative and traditional the practices were that I was growing up with, and I think some of that was good. I think. Some of it's, uh, I dealt with it fine, but I know a lot of people have a hard time dealing with that um, really restrictive nature. 
yeah. and processing through that later. I dealt with it fine. I think it helped kind of shape and keep me within certain boundaries and walls and helped me develop some uh, patterns that were good for my development. But all that to say, I, I, I clearly remember when you and Rhonda came and the difference that God used y'all to make in our church's life. Just because we went from having, I don't remember us having anybody. Now, were you the first youth minister at Westgate? Technically, but you know, Doug Enfinger kind of kind of played that role for a long time and was a deacon in that yeah. role for a long time too. But yeah, as far as like a, on staff person, I think I was the first one. And Doug was great. Even after yeah. y'all came, yes, he yes. was wonderful. He was a uh, he was a machinist. I think I think that he had a machine shop. Yeah, yeah. he sure did. Yeah. He owned a machine shop, so he was kind of a rugged guy, but still just hilarious. But all that to say, I think when when you and Rhonda came. Um, I think for me that was very formative, and because youth ministry, I didn't know what it was. I don't know that anybody did uh, where we were, and um, and for us, it allowed us to see that oh, we can we can live out God's calling too, not just be a part of a church. There's something more there. And I remember us going like on time mission trips, which strangely enough, connections, you know, Joe Esner's a part of. And um, and uh, I remember those being very informative. And uh, even eventually where I made my first connection with Jessica. Um, but um, I think my faith developed both through our youth ministry Camp Wiregrass and some of the connections there. There were some older kids that were just a little bit older than me that I looked up to, and they were constantly in the Bible, and they were, like, discussing it, like, just like normal. Like, hey, what do y'all think about this Scripture? And everybody would be, like, talking about the Scripture, and I was like, I should probably be reading my Bible a little more so I can talk. Hey, you know, I like these guys. I'm hanging out. Yeah. Um. And I think all of that was um, developmental. And now it's easier looking back on things like that because, like, I have, I love, I got to be careful how I say that because that comes out weird. Um, I was going to say I love widow ladies, but I, <laughs> I, I have a passion and care for those who have lost loved ones. Yeah. And now that's part of us leading Grief Share. Randy and I kind of co lead Grief Share together. And, um, that has led into that. We we have done a lot of stuff for our widows here at Mayfair. And I look back over my ministry career and I've thought, you know, I've always connected with the widows in our congregation. Yeah. I started thinking back, my mom, if somebody passed away in our church and she was a widow, my mom was there. And I cannot tell you how much time we spent at some of these little old ladies' house. Miss White. Miss Grace. Yeah, Miss Grace White, Miss Kitty. Um, What's the lady that had the severe arthritis? I keep seeing her face, but I can't think of her Miss, name. Miss Rudd, Miss um, Ruth. Ruth Rudd. Miss Ruth Rudd. Yeah. Miss um, um, Stella. Miss Stella was a vital part. We even went and saw Miss Stella when um, when we went to, uh, when she moved to Arkansas. We We went to her house and saw her. Like, these are... These are people that in my childhood were a, a part of it because my mom would just take me 
And I didn't know at the time that that was forming me, but it was. Yeah. And and it's allowed me to be more comfortable with a different population. Um, and um, it's opened a lot of doors for me. And I feel like God was using that to train me. I don't even know if my mom was intentional about that. It's up. I was in the way and I had to go with her because she couldn't leave me at home. Yeah. Um, and that was just part of the process. But I, so there, I, there are things that are formative in my faith growing up like that. Um, I, I, you know, you, I'll try to go to the second part of the question around 14, um, is when I was baptized. Of course, by that point, everybody was freaking out. They thought I was almost headed to hell because I'd almost missed the <laughs> the whole prebubescent curb. The age of accountability. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, so, um, so I was a little bit older, but I, I've never been a... Um, I'm not a, a follower. I'm really... And I'm not trying to say I'm a leader, but I don't. I don't just follow people. I don't like to just follow. I never have been. If people are all people are doing it, then you don't need me to do it. Um, and I've always kind of been that way. I guess that's a little arrogant, maybe, but I just it's how I it's how I'm cut. Um, but all that to say, I the the influences that have made a difference in my life. I would say you and Rhonda have been huge, both then and when I moved here. There's a difference in overlap. In two different life stages, yeah. um, you and Rhonda, um, in my early years, uh, my parents obviously were always kind of setting a path for me, um, and everything wasn't perfect in our house, um, but um, God was always a part, and um, and so that that that's part of who I became of God being a part of everything. I would say as I got into um, my first job, and we may talk about that in a minute, but Mike Stroud was a huge influence on yeah, me, yeah. and he still is in his discipleship work uh, for the kingdom and just the work he does and his commitment to people and to love people. Um, and the other person I'd say is is Jessica still... Um, I hope that I'm this for her, but she sure is for me, and she keeps me pointing the right direction and grounded in God. Um, yeah, so you, you definitely married up like I did. So oh yeah, the ladies in our life have made a big difference. And I, and I was going to really quickly say, you know, you and Brent, uh, Brett rather, uh, and others that were there, I, I had a big influence on on Jonathan. You know, like my son, like he wanted to be like you guys. So. I mean, there was just, you know, so I can see, I can see some of that independence even in his life today, the way he is, because I think he saw you guys model that in a, in a positive way. And I, I really, we, we knew that we were dragging them around, you know, for youth events, but you guys had such a positive influence on them, seeing that even when they became, as they were looking toward teenage years, they could walk with the Lord and, and still have a good time and, and, and be themselves, mm-hmm. and I think that was a, a great influence. So you mentioned Jessica, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that's kind of a good lead-in about, um, you know, about how you met her and 
how in, how in the world did you get her to <laughs> convince her to marry you? So maybe talk to someone about that yeah. and her influence. Um, I'm a manipulator. That's how I got her to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, um, so Jessica and I met, met on a, uh, a time mission trip, which is teens in mission experiences. And Randy would take us on those in, in high school. And I, I remember, I actually, I, I truly remember this. This is sort of weird, but I remember when we walked in the room, cause it was a time of light where hormones were like, you know, perfect peak, you know, 16 years old. It's like, oh, yeah, I see all girls, and I noticed all girls, and I wanted to talk to all of them and see which one I could figure out uh, if this was going to be a match or not, you know. Uh, but I remember walking in the room and thinking, wow, that girl's cute. She is tiny. And Jessica, I mean, those who know my wife still, I mean, she's a 45-year-old woman, and she's still tiny. I mean, just a little bitty yeah. lady. I mean, she was probably, she may have been 90 pounds, maybe. Probably not even then. If she was 15, she was probably, she may have been 80 pounds. Yeah. I don't know. She was teeny tiny. And I just thought, man, she's the cutest thing ever. And then if if you ever have been around Jessica, she exudes so much confidence. Um. And so immediately, uh, I have interest in this girl. She's confident, and she her um, if she if she actually listens to this, she'll love this part. But she loves to be funny, and she is one of the wittiest people. I mean, she's now she's smarter than I am with my wit, and what I mean by that, in so many ways, she's smarter than I am. But she's able to manage when she does and when she doesn't. But the woman is just so funny, yeah, um, and just really quick witted. Uh, but then she has this kindness. I I still tell I I remember when we were on the mission, that that mission trip, and we were sitting there, and there was a guy that walked into the hotel lobby. We were sitting in the lobby hanging out after we had been in the middle of the inner city, knocking inner city doors, going into these inner city homes which is crazy to think right now that y'all let these teenagers walk into no. the middle of the inner city. But, wow, you know, that's just show how God works. But And we're sitting there, and this guy comes in, and he asked us what we were doing there, and we told him. And he said a few, you know, explicit words and said, I can't believe y'all believe that junk, um, and basically walked out. And I look over at Jessica, and she's crying. Um, and I was like, you're not mad? Cause I'm mad. I'm ready to like, let's go, dude. You know, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. What you got? And she's crying and she's not a crier now, um, at all. And she just said, you know, the worst part is that he's going to hell Yeah. and it was breaking her heart. And I just <clears throat> thought, Oh, I like this girl. You know, she's cute. She's funny. And she's got a big heart, but we were just friends and and wrote back and forth some. Um, um, we had interaction over the years. We continued to stay connected uh, with limited contact because she lived in Atlanta and I lived in Dothan. But there was nothing ever romantic spoken. Um, and then we got to we went to Lipscomb, and uh, I uh, I had just got out of serious relationship. 
And and Jessica tells the story this way. I I don't remember, but <laughs> I'm sure it's right because she remembers it. But you know, we had had several conversations. She said part of the reasons why I went to Lipscomb was because of her, which is probably true because I didn't know anybody really else going to Lipscomb. That wasn't the place people went from Westgate. They all oh, went to Harding. Harding. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go there. It's like, I don't want to go where everybody else goes. That's, again, like I said, that different. That's following the crowd. I'm not that guy. I'd, I'd rather do something different. So uh, I went to Lipscomb, and uh, I'd gotten out of a serious relationship that was not a good one, and I just didn't want to date anybody. So I dated everybody. Uh, I got to Lipscomb, and it just <laughs> I went on. Like, I just hung out with people and went on a, several one-time dates, and I went to a bunch of formals and functions and that first semester. And uh, and in the middle of that, one of the girls that invited me to one of the functions said, hey, you ought to try out for this Christian drama group. And I guess she thought, you're pretty dramatic. I don't know what she thought. <laughs> but either way, um, I never had any drama. I don't know. I, but Christian drama group, that kind of sounds fun. You're talking about skits and stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I, I love to have fun. So, um, sure enough, I did, and I made it. And Jessica was in that group. And I'd already, you know, I see Jessica on campus, and I would visit with her. And like I said, I always give her a hug. I mean, like I said, we were friends. But I I never asked her out or any of that. Um, turned out to be a good thing. There's a lot of girls on campus, and you kind of need to get the eye, all the eye candy that you see that you think, ooh, ooh, ooh. And the lack of interest there kind of out of the way. Um, and then um, she, around January of that first year, which was her freshman year, it was my sophomore year because I'd moved in from a junior college, mm-hmm. um, she said, Doug, you need to go on this mission trip to California with us. We're going to go to California. We're going to kind of travel around parts of California and do these skits. Um, and it set up, and I was like, I don't know. These people are weird. Like, it was weird. I mean, honestly, it was a bunch of, like, I mean, what you think of sort of as a Christian or a drama crew. They were a bunch of unique people. Now, it turns out I, I liked a lot of them, and we were, I was friends, but I, a whole week, I don't know. But California's kind of cool. And so she asked me to go, and she was like, "You, I need you to go because you're like the only normal one. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, okay. So, on this mission trip. Well, a few weeks prior to that, uh, I had gone out with her, her good friend. Um, I don't know, maybe three or four times. And, and before the trip, uh, that girl called her in the room and said, well, who all's going on the trip? Kind of like questioning, like who, you know, who will be there? Like, who, is there anybody I need to worry about or any of that? And, Jessica's like, well, there's this this girl, but nothing to worry about. This girl, there's nothing to He would never. Um, and this girl's got a boyfriend, and only person you have to worry about is me. Ha, ha, ha. So that was kind of the lead into <laughs> the trip, right? Well, she did give him a warning. Or warning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica, seriously, it uh, she would never do that. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, on the trip, it was it, Jessica had no didn't act on any interest on me. Now, um, of course, I'm sure she thought I was handsome. Maybe. I don't even know if that's true. Jessica, uh, but um, she had no interest. Um, and 
just throughout the trip, we would hang out, and it was like the mission trip we went on in high school. She was quick-witted, funny, um, and just, man, just a blessing to be around. Yeah. And it, I just kept thinking, wow, this, Doug, you're an idiot if you don't ask this girl out. I mean, really, I, I really kind of thought that way. And uh, so there was one, the last day I think we were there, I was kind of like, um, she was walking by. And we always, I always kind of give her up, but I, I, I kind of pulled her into my lap, which sounds really creepy and weird. It wasn't the <laughs> way it happened, um, at least in my eyes. Now looking back, she may say it was, but I, I was okay with it. Um, but <laughs> um, I said, hey, I've really enjoyed spending time with you this week and it'd be kind of be kind of cool to go out when we get back maybe and she said yeah i'd like that but maybe we ought to wait just a little while i was like yeah 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 well because this other girl yeah yeah this other girl well you know we'll give that some space and the other girl's great i mean a great woman she married a great man. We're still friends with him. Um, but uh, so we waited um, until we got back the next night. And, we, <laughs> and I said, hey, let's go to church together. And uh, when we got back from California, and we did, we went, uh, we went out to eat and went to church. Um, and then she went in and told the girl, like, this is kind of what happened and but I, I do remember going back that night and writing in a journal. I still have it in my office. I think I've just gone out with the girl and we'll marry. First first wow. night. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That and I've never cool. written that. There, there, I didn't <laughs> scribble that out from another one. Um, all that to say, um, we dated for two years. Um, and there's never a question why I was going to marry this girl. I mean, we work really well together. She's a completely confident person. She does not need me, yeah. which is perfect for me. Yeah. Because I don't need a needy person. Yeah. Uh having somebody that's very confident in herself um and in the Lord uh, really brings me closer to God and to her. So um two years after that I surprised her and asked her to marry me. She said yes. And so since then we've been married for twenty it'll be uh twenty three years in November. Wow. And you did the wedding, so well, part, it was of, part it. of the wedding, right? Part of, part of the wedding, right? But and and so and y'all been you've taken her like well, most ministers. You take your wife follows you, goes with you wherever you wherever your ministry takes yeah. you, and y'all been several different locations. Yeah, and you've and you've added kids along yeah. the way. Too, yeah, so. we have procreated and created more <laughs> in the world. Um, so we uh, right out of college. I went to I, I got an internship um, and went to Middle Tennessee State University. Interned in a campus ministry, which I didn't know a ton about. I'd been down to Auburn, but and loved it. But it was close to where Jessica was finishing school. We could go ahead and get married in her last semester of school. I was out of school. I'd have a job there. It would work out. So I did it and fell in love with campus ministry. Yeah. And after that, uh, applied for several different jobs. Got offered a few. And uh, took a job in Texas, Stephenville, Texas, at Tarleton State University. 
Um, and I, I'm kind of a little bit of a redneck anyway and a country boy at heart. So we went out to Stephenville, Texas, and I love that. Um, it was hard work. The church was small, and uh, it's hard working with college students, and there were some very traditional kind of hard-edged people there that we had to learn to work with. Yeah. Um, but still love the church and the work there. Um, and we stayed there for four years. Uh, still no kids. Uh, moved back um, after four years. We moved back to uh, Huntsville with an opportunity for me to do counseling. I did drug and rehab counseling. I'd finish up my master's degree and wanted to start working on my license in marriage and family therapy. And so... I am now licensed, but it worked out because after a, about a year of being here, Jessica's dad had a heart attack and died, so we were much closer. Yeah. Um, so who who would have thought? Um, and then uh, so we really kind of just moved three places: Murfreesboro, um, Texas, and then back here. And yeah. then my job transition has changed. You know, obviously. 15 years ago, I started working at Mayfair. They asked me to come work with the young people. It's been that long? Yeah. I can't write. Wow. Okay. It's been 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and I, and now my role's changed here a little bit. But, yeah, uh, yeah we've we've kind of been a little bit all over. Yeah. Well, t- t- tell us about the kids real quick. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. I try. No, we have three kids, a 15-year-old who is driving us around. He's two months away from... That's scary. Setting him free with a 16-year-old license. Uh, he's a good driver. Yeah, um, I know sure I drive is. him crazy as my dad probably drove me crazy. Slow down. We'll speed up a little bit. Watch the edge. You know, it's all this stuff. Um, but he's a good driver, smart kid. Uh, we've been blessed. Um, they're, they're, they talk to us really well about all life things, and that's such a blessing. Yeah. Uh, then we have a... Uh, 13-year-old, uh, Millie, um, so Porter is the oldest, Millie is our middle, and uh, um, Millie's, you know, Millie and Davis, uh, May is our youngest one, that's a girl, even though she has a boy name, um, but, um, and she is 11, mm-hmm. and both Millie and Davis are like these extreme active people, they're like in everything, they don't like to sit still. Neither one of them, really. Um, and Millie's playing volleyball. Porter's in the band, and um, Davis is is ready. Yeah. So as soon as something comes, she's going to be in everything. You know, she'll play volleyball, I'm sure. And if there's anything else um, that comes up, but yeah. And Jessica's working with the school system here. Yeah, she she now is a student aide. Yeah. Which has been a big blessing to us. Once our kids went back. They were all in school. She was like, well, I'm not sitting around. So she went and got a student aid job um, or Spe- teacher's aid. Special needs adults? Yeah, she worked. Well, kids, yeah, she works with the Some special sorry. needs uh, yeah. students. And, yeah. uh, of course, she's great with that. And it's been a blessing because the insurance is great for us. Same, same. Yeah, way. yeah. So you mentioned, you know, and Doug's been a part of the 2820 uh, mission uh, community for for a while now, and he, recently he spoke over there, and he mentioned you mentioned. I, I guess this is where we're going to take the turn, and 
talk about some, I guess one of the main things you wanted to kind of, we wanted you to kind of share about today. You, you spoke about a time in your life that was really difficult, um, challenging. Uh, maybe, can you tell us a little about that? If you're okay, tell us a little about that time and what caused you to get to, get to that place. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if you can, I don't know those who know me, if you don't know me, I've always been a very confident person. Um, I don't necessarily need people. Um, I'm not a worrier. I don't stress about things. I just make a decision. If it's a bad one, I change the next one. I just, that's just how I've always functioned. And I've always been good at what I've done. Um, and I know, again, yeah. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I, I have, I, you know, I, if I picked up something, it, it, it wasn't, I just was good at it. Um, and I'd work hard at things ish. Some things came too easy to me. Probably I didn't work as hard as I should, but, um, so <clears throat> to, to, to back up in I, my, my dates are pretty bad. So I, I don't know if I should give dates, but, um, a few years back, one of our good friends was diagnosed with a brain tumor and, and I'll get to where we're going for me, but, and they were, we were really close to them. Um, and Jessica, we helped kind of manage their process as they were going through all the treatments, um, of, of their, they had one child and we, we took care of him a lot. He became like part of our family and, and both of them did. And we walked them through that whole process until she eventually passed away. And through that process, um, I think it it brought reality to um, that I wasn't invincible, that we are not eternal beings. Yeah. Which is, is dumb to say. You know, I, I feel dumb even saying that, but it's like, you kind of know that, but that was, you know, uh, late 30s. And it, for her, it was her early 30s. She was, you know, 31 years old when she died. And it just, I don't know, it, it brought reality. So I started realizing, oh, man, I've got some blood pressure issues or I've got this. And, I mean, there's just reality there. Yeah, I never really dealt with that. I don't. I don't guess, you know, even though I was comfortable being around people that have lost people, I never thought about, oh, that could be me. So, yeah. And now that I have a family, it's more evident that um, that could be me. And then now it's not just if something happened to me, something happened to me. Now it's if something happens to me, I leave three kids and a wife. So there's a reality that started to set in at that time. Um, that I, I was unaware it was setting in. And then um, a few years after that, Jessica had a... Um, uh, th- she had this little mass on her neck, and we didn't know what it was. Um, and she's not a worrier. She just says, you know, we'll pray, and we'll let them tell us what it is, and then we'll figure out what to do. Not me. Uh I say, God, take it away. Uh, let this be nothing the whole time, you know, and then I worry about it. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I, when it came to, but I didn't worry about other things, you know, like yeah. I did, I, I dealt with all kinds of things with counseling with people and people were like, how do you not take on that? I, I don't know. I, it's training. 
but I didn't. Um, but when it came to her, I did. I worried, and I and I remember her going into that surgery and us not knowing what the mass was in her neck, and the doctor coming out saying, "Well, it's thyroid tissue, and um, we'll send it off." And well, everything was good. Yeah, wasn't a big deal. So it was kind of a sigh of relief, a little bit, but it still uh, built in some worry that I've never had before. What am I going to do if this is something major? Um, and I, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know I was processing it. And the funny thing about this is, um, it, I don't know if I'm a good counselor or bad counselor, but I work with people in counseling about this kind of stuff all the time. Um, but still it, it wasn't like it was a huge deal. I, it didn't change the way I lived. Um, well, there was an, another issue later on where, uh, Jessica's, uh, I don't know, it's, I, I'm making this about Jessica. She's like, why are you telling all my medical stuff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jessica had uh, low iron, which like I found out like almost everybody in the world has low iron, it seems. <laughs> I don't know what our issue yeah. is, but especially a lot of women have low iron. So um, my mom has low iron and, and find out, all, but it, this is my wife and it. And this is after the next thing. And, she has low iron, so she's got to get a colonoscopy. And I, I vividly remember sitting there with her. She's filling out this thing. Of course, she's not worried about a thing. Filling out, you know, asking about all these, you know, nasty things that you got to write when you're getting a colonoscopy. And I remember looking at that going, well, I kind of have that. And I kind of have that. And, you know, I've, I've kind of dealt with that. And I'd had kind of stomach issues throughout. Um, and, of course, she went into her, her colonoscopy. Everything's fine. Of course, like it is. All right, we're going to put you on iron. Well, why? Well, I'm, That's my question, not hers. She's like, okay. <laughs> um, but I want to know, what, what's causing this? Yeah. this and, maybe, and maybe this is a counselor in me that digs in. Well, what, what is it about this? What's And so... I started thinking about, well, I've got these things in my stomach. What, you know, what is this? And I, of course I'd look up something on the internet and I remember it was in September of, uh, I believe 2018. Um, I remember waking up, Jessica was out of town and I remember waking up from a dead sleep straight up, um, and it was like somebody had stuck an electrical probe to me. Mm. I mean, just like, whoo. And my heart's go. I thought I was having a heart attack. I really thought I was having a heart attack. And at this time, I didn't even realize I was thinking or worrying about things. I mean, I knew that I stressed out when she had stuff, but I thought it kind of went away. And I didn't know what it was. So honestly, that... That day, uh, the next day when I got up and I could not go back, I could not slow my heart rate back down. Mm. Um, and the next day, I think was a weekend, but I went ahead and called and set up an appointment for Monday because I thought this is not good. And I actually, I remember having aspirin in the drawer and I hopped up and took aspirin because I thought I was having a heart attack. And then everything settled down. I was like, that was weird. Mm -hmm. from that night 
all the way until almost January. That happened every night. And it got to the point where, so I went in on that Monday. They did an EKG, and they're like, nah, nothing's, you're good. Your heart's, I mean, I was a runner, still am, and uh, your heart's healthy, Doug. Are you sure? Like, what's causing this? Well, I've got these stomach issues, and I start looking on the Internet. Let's find, let's find out what's going on. Mm. And, of course, anytime you pull up the Internet, you're dying of cancer. Right. I mean, right. Right. you got a hangnail. You will die of cancer from a hangnail. <laughs> you know, and I, I did not realize what that was doing to me at the time. Uh, but I, with, so every night, I've mentioned this before, every night I'd wake up with those shocks. And it would happen about three times a night. And so my sleep pattern was going from, sleeping about seven and a half to eight hours a night to about four. And mm. for those of you who experience anything like difficult sleep patterns, right? Um, that, that makes the day really hard. Yeah. And I was doing counseling with people and I didn't want to do counseling with them. And I was going and working with college students that I didn't want to see. And, um, I can re I can remember sitting in a counseling session and it's like some counseling sessions are like okay you know this is let me see if I can help you through this this is not very exciting but we're going to work through this together and figure it out and other ones are like wow all right this is a big issue let's and this is kind of exciting I remember sitting in one of those that would normally be exciting type counseling sessions that you really could help somebody and thinking can you just get out of my office? Mm. Um, and Jessica knew because I had gotten really quiet. Uh, just when I was around people, it took so much for me to talk to people, which is weird because this was only like probably September through late October, and I'll reference that point. But um, I'd just gotten to the point where everything was really weighted and and I thought it was because of health issues and so much so that you know I was having more gut issues which were probably exaggerated by um by my I guess worry stress which stress. I didn't know I was a worrier yeah yeah you know and but I you know, anybody listen, I'll tell you right now, don't get on the internet and look up anything because it's bad. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. I really think Satan works through the through the internet on especially symptom solving. It's just it's just a cycle. And and for me, I didn't realize that. And even once I told Jessica kind of, you know, I'm dealing with this, which she knew, she was talking to me about it the whole time. Um she said, you got to promise me you won't get on the Internet um, or you'll tell me. And, of course, I'd, I'd look up something else because I'd have this other whatever. And it got to the point where I was even having a few of those, like, shock-type symptoms during the day. And I'm telling you, Randy, it was just, it was, it was awful. So um, I, I'm going to kind of take you probably where we're going anyway. It's like, so 
I had dealt with this for a while and I had a colonoscopy lined up. I was because I just knew I even I even told Butch Kinzer one night at church, he was like I told him, I was like, you know, I just I'm having these gut issues and I, I don't know why I'm just confident I've got colon cancer and um which is just absurd for me to even say because you know, it was just turns out I had IBS. Um and you know, you can even figure out how to manage all that stuff. But all that to say, I I'd, I'd gotten in my mind because of these events and then Satan telling me to go look on the internet and I'll show you what you need to see, basically. Um that I'd got myself to a place where I was sick. Mm. Um and I remember this clearly. Um my my sister, she could tell you more, she struggled uh with getting down at times and she <laughs> we were at Taco Bell which I didn't want to go to Taco Bell you know Wednesday nights were hard and I didn't want to go be with people and uh we we went to Taco Bell so it was it maybe even the beginning of November end of October beginning of November cuz it was right at the end the reason we were at Taco Bell was because it was still a base still a taco and it was for oh, the World Series. Free food. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, we got a family of five. You can go get five free tacos. We're in. Cha-ching. Um, and I remember sitting there. And this was when I was doing grace marriage training for the first time. Um, this was at, maybe it was 2019 when all this happened. Um, either way, um, I, I'm sitting there and just like, no facial expression. I'm just, I feel like I'm a whoop dog. I mean, I really, and I'm just, I'm existing. And I'm continuing to exist because I know I got to. And I remember Elise walking in and looking at me going, what's wrong? And that's very, if you know my sister, that's a pretty good impression. Yeah. Hey, what's wrong? Uh, Nothing. I'm fine. You're not fine. What's wrong? And I said, I, I'm just, I'm just tired. She didn't, no, something's wrong. And I say, well, I, I just, and I already told her about the shock symptoms, and and she was like, she started listing my symptoms, like saying, this is what you're going through. I, I bet you, I bet you feel like when you are around people that you can't be around people. I bet you feel like, um, like. Like it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get up and, oh, and she's just started going through all these things and you feel like even when you're driving, you're, uh, you're like going somewhere, but you're not really there. And it was like, it was almost like cold water was thrown on me. Mm. And it was that point where I started going, uh Oh, I'm not just sick. And Jessica, the funny thing is, is Jessica been telling me all the time, look, you're fine. I, I, you don't have any issues. You're fine. And all that started to resonate at that point. And it was then I started to realize, okay, if you were somebody coming into your office, you, you would tell this person to change some things in their lives. And so that was when Jessica was like, all right, you got to promise me you, you won't look back on the Internet. Um, we're going to get up every morning and exercise. 
So that's also, strangely enough, when we started our prayer time together in the morning. But I couldn't, I could barely drag myself out. And you've got to acknowledge that these shock symptoms, they're just you stressing out and it coming out at night instead of during the day. Mm. And so when I would wake up, I still had the shock symptoms for a while. But I'd wake up and go, okay, I know this is just me stressing out. And I'd roll back over and go to sleep until eventually they just went away. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I went ahead and got the, got the colonoscopy and found out just what I thought. Nothing was, I mean, not what I thought, but <laughs> what everybody else was telling me that nothing was wrong. And so, it, and, and so it was kind of the finally acknowledging what was happening. Yeah. And, and, and at least kind of help that to come to that point. And then what about, your faith spiritually how did it did that uh, it sounds like you just you changed some habits in your life but what else changed to make things different i guess is what i was going to say so that that's one thing i would say to those listening is like i think our faith community is vital yeah to our health and well-being even if we're not healthy um Jessica is a rock for me, you know, she, and she's a rock for a lot of people. It's not just me. I think God has made her a very deep and passionate person for him. And, and people can see that and feel it. So Jessica all along was driving me saying, all right, let's do this. And I know like knowledge is one thing. Practice of knowledge is a whole nother. So I, um, my faith, I think, is what allowed me to keep going. I I can't imagine not, and 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 that was family kind of getting me there, but I knew that God wanted me to live and not not live. Yeah. But what I had done is I was still breathing air, but I had quit living. And. There's, there's a, he used Elise and he used Jessica and he used other different people along the way. If I could go back and kind of piece different people in, um, in my mind, but to say, you're being dumb. Oh, I, I, so even in January, I'd started progressing and then we went to Gulf Coast Getaway and I met, there's three other campus ministers that are my age, um, who, like a bunch of dumb young boys would go to Waffle House at midnight on their first night there together because we hadn't seen each other in a while, and we'd work all day and then go late at night. And we were sitting around the table, and this is no joke. Every one of those men was experiencing something along those lines. And it was like God saying, look at you morons. Y'all are all the same. You're all the same. You're focusing on you and you're not focusing on me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're worrying about your life and I, I'm going to take care of you until you die. And then you're coming with me. So quit worrying about if you live or die. And so there, it was, there was a process that kind of took place. And once that started coming out, this is once that, that's part of where this podcast even came from after, you know, in 2020, everything shut down. And that's part of what 
I wanted people to start telling their stories yeah. because I, I didn't realize at the time, but it was so vital for me. It's like we can't hold that in because holding it in is killing us. None of us are unbroken. None of us have enough confidence to make it on our own. I don't, and I'm a confident person. I mean, and now I'm over that hump in my life, and I refuse to go back there because I, I am going to tell people when I'm struggling before I get to that point because I think Satan wants us to keep that in. Yeah. So, so, and I, I, so I, you know, those listening to this podcast and, you know, probably or possibly some of them are going through some of these oh, yeah. same things. You know, it sounds like you're saying, you know, you need to let someone know that you really trust in what's happening. Don't keep it inside. Um, be part of a faith community that you can, that allows sharing and, 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 and prayer and talking about these things. What else would you, and what else would you say to them? You know, if they're, if, if they're going through this, this, a similar situation right now, and they're just, they're thinking that, am I going out of my mind? Am I going yeah. crazy or am I going to die? Am I having a heart attack or what? Yeah. What say? I, so uh, a lot of people experience this in different ways. And as a counselor, I work with a lot of people and it's given me more insight into that. Yeah. First thing I'd say is put down any knowledge that you think you're gaining from the internet, from your phone. D- don't. Don't go to Dr. Google because Dr. Google is bad. Yeah. I promise you. I mean, I really think Satan works through that. I really firmly believe that. So I would say first, step away from that. Second, don't your story is not just your own, and so don't keep it. Uh, I think God, when he designed us in his image, he didn't do it without the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Um. And we're not supposed to do it without a community. And I know people are embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I mean, even I, I'm above all this. You know, I'm a counselor. Well, yeah, good. You then you know how dumb you were. You know. Yeah. Um. But I, I didn't. I, I I didn't want to tell. I over the last four years, I've been comfortable telling my story. I just didn't realize it was a story until recently. You know, I just thought it was part of my life, but now I realize, yeah. just like everybody else, it's part of my story. It's part of making me who I am, and now it's it has the ability to make me stronger for other people. But I, what I would say is, tell somebody. You you can tell me. You can write me at Doug at Mayfair dot org and say, Hey, I need to talk. Um, and then start telling other people. Yeah. Don't let Satan use your weakness to be a weakness because uh, God tells us that in your weakness, I'm strong. So let that weakness be a strength. And that's what's, that's where my faith has turned now. It's like no longer is, is that a weakness that happened in my now? Hey, you're going through this. I've been there. Let's go. Yeah. Now it's a strength and it's his strength. It's not. So it's, it's changed. I'm a changed man in my faith. And now I can stand on that. And I have more to stand on than I used to. Um, it's not just knowledge in a book of counseling or knowledge in a book that we can rely on Jesus, but now I can say I had to. Yeah. I had to. So, um, well, I just, um, I appreciate you sharing, you know, 
being open up to share about this. Yeah. I think it's like you say, we as ministers don't want, if you're a minister or in a position like you are with counseling as well, that you don't want to, you feel like you're saying I'm, I'm weak or I've got I, something's wrong with me if I share a struggle I've gone oh, yeah. through. And I can, I can say this too, I just hearing you talk and, and knowing the knowledge that you have and the people you've been able to bless with your knowledge and ability as a counselor to know and then go back and think about that, that little boy. Uh, well, you weren't really little even when I knew you when you were a kid. You were a pretty big kid. <laughs> yeah. That kid that kid in Dothan, Alabama, to see where, where God has placed you, where he's placed you now yeah. and done with you what he's done with you through uh, through you, I just... I'm proud of you. I, I, I appreciate. Thank you. There, somebody, we don't have time to talk this with this, but I, I still think about several things, and one about that time trip that we took to that camp with those guys, with the inner city <laughs> oh, camp. Oh boy! Yeah, if, if we had time, to, they, I thought Doug, another, was, Doug was probably another gonna, time going to going to kill me or <laughs> or that walk away and say I'll never go on any other trip with this guy in my life after this. But I saw how you handled even that situ- those situations. I knew then there was something. There was something special about the way God, that you were wired, that God could use you. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, it makes me proud to see where you're at now, doing what you're doing. Um, and Doug is, is here on staff at Mayfair. He's already given you his email address, but Doug at Mayfair.org. But uh, I know he would welcome, and he likes to meet new people. He likes to, to talk with them and yeah. talk with you. So, uh, you know, please reach out to him or, Reach out for help somewhere uh, yeah. if needed, uh, if you're dealing with some of these things he's talked about today that you dealt with. Um, I'd love to be able to close in prayer yeah. with you if that'd be okay. That'd be great. To, uh, thanks, and Thanks again so much for sharing. We love you. Appreciate love you too, brother. You. Dear God and Father in heaven, Father God, we thank you for this time together today. Um, we thank you for Doug's life and his willingness to share about his his life both the good things and the struggles he's gone through and father we hope that his sharing today is has has reached uh out to someone that's listening today to know that what they they may be going through the things the things they've been experiencing that they're not alone that this is uh something that can be dealt with and father that they would um share with someone they care about uh, about that, but also, to Father, to realize that you have brought, you're here to bring peace in our lives, um, mm. that, you're, that you're, your presence is always present with us, Father, and that uh, we need to release those anxieties and things that we have in our life that we're concerned about and place them before you and allow you to take those things on for us, Father. And we're grateful that you're there. We're grateful that you're a God of love and peace. And uh, we pray that uh, this today has been a blessing for those listening. But I especially want to thank you for Doug, for Jessica, for their walk with you, for their good family, and for the lives they're touching uh, because of their faithfulness to you, Father. And continue to bless them and use them in your service, your kingdom, both in counseling and in ministry. Uh, Father, where you may call them to be. Thank you so much for loving us, and thank you so much for Jesus. It's through his sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Our stories of brokenness, struggles, failures, and sin help others know that they are not alone, and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and to make 
them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your stories if you're willing to share it. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have a faith story you'd love to share. You can reach out to us at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings. 